First pitch winging left on left, and Ramel Tapia soars it to center. Jared Duran trying to locate it, and it lands back on the warning track. Oh, boy. Gurriel and Espinal score. Jensen in as well. Tapia to the plate, and it is a grand slam inside the park from Ramel Tapia. Chapman pops one up right out in front of the plate, and it drops! Nobody even got a glove on it. Nobody got within three feet of it. And another run comes in to score. <laughs> Welcome back. A brand new episode of the Instructive View Red Sox podcast. I am your host, as always, Chris Henry, joined by my three co-hosts. We're going to start with Jamie. How's it going? We're doing good. Let's go, Sox. Go, Big Poppy. We will talk about Big Poppy very soon. Uh, Steve, what's going on, everybody? Living and Miggy, howdy, John. No, this, this team kind of blows. No, no good morning. All right, let's have some more. Let's have some more positive vibes. You know, we're just at the start here. Come on now. Good morning, Monday. <laughs> thunderstorming. Love that positive vibes that we're going to be able to pull out of uh, this team. I actually think maybe we uh, with the, uh, with the but um, you guys happen to see what happened Friday night? First game back? No, I like I don't, I don't remember that. Um, you know, I was doing stuff and I mean, they lost like a couple runs, right? That wasn't that big of a um, run differential for the weekend. 23 runs they lost by, not bad. No, it's like three touchdowns and a field goal. You know, it's easy. You know what? I think Sydney Sweeney is cursed. I don't Watch think she's proud of the first pitch. Watch your mouth. Don't talk about Sydney like that. Maybe <laughs> is there something you want to tell the pod? What? What do you? What is? What do y'all want to know? Are you you Sydney? You Sydney Truther? Is that what we're getting at? Hell yeah! He's got a little schoolboy crush. Heck yeah! <laughs> she kind of cursed the stock, so you know. You watch yeah, recording. all right. Yeah, she cursed the socks, and Miggy still has a crush on her. Got it. Conflict of interest, my friend. She didn't drop that foul ball for Durant. <laughs> Is that what we're going to say? Which? That pop up? <laughs> should, we just, should we just segue to that, to that play? No, not yet. <laughs> if you want to talk about that damn tragedy, yeah, go for it. Be I, my guest. So- I don't think I've ever been more frustrated watching a baseball game when I saw that. And like even his quotes, I don't know if you guys saw the quote the morning after when he was just when he was just like, Yeah, I didn't want to run to Verdugo or like injure him by trying to get the ball. Like, come up with the worst quote to react to that. That was like the cherry on top of that whole situation. When I saw that the morning after, I was like, Really? You can't come up with anything better than that. Well, we lost it in the twilight. Yeah. Who says that? Like what 24-year-old says it calls the night sky twilight. Maybe he liked the movie when he was a kid. Who knows? Regardless, regardless, I mean, just re-watching that play, I'm looking at it like this. I'm thinking, all right, you're young and you're a hungry player. So what the hell are you doing just standing there, turning around and looking at your other player on the team, run the ball down and try to cover your ass for that mistake? That's not really the kind of, you know, play that you want to see from a guy who's trying to prove himself and 
be a mainstay on the roster. So yeah. well, he was worried. He was worried about running into Verdugo. You know, so that's oh, big, right, yeah, that's exactly. Big, you know? Okay, it's warranted that. Never mind. I take it back. No, it was embarrassing that he clearly wasn't paying attention at all. Paying attention, he it was generally it was, like he's made those catches before this year. Yeah, you know, a, a pop up into his glove. He wasn't paying attention, and then he looked like a kid who literally he made an error and then wanted to take his glove and go home. He had no interest in going out for that baseball. And the bigger issue that I have is the fact that he stayed in that baseball game, could not have continued in that game. Alex Cora should have moved him, should have removed him from the game. And then even on top of that, Alex Cora displayed zero leadership by not even addressing it with the player. He put it on Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts and the veterans, they're, they're going to talk about it. No, you're the manager. Your team is sinking like a rock. Be a leader and address what happened. Like, that was disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful that this kid, who already has been in hot water from the fan base in the media because of his vaccination status, now goes and basically says, hold my beer. I'm going to one-up that and then does that in the outfield. I think it's pathetic. It's kind of like the Willie Mays Antichrist a little bit there. And then yeah. the comments <laughs> after the game, his comments, like you had time to think about what you were going to say. And then you followed up by saying, I lost it in the twilight to, I mean, Doogie was already there. Which he wasn't. He, he was nowhere near that ball. No, he was running for his life. Like Durant should have been to get that ball. I think going forward here, I think what this team needs to do is take accountability for their mistakes. They can't keep brushing it off and acting like they weren't to blame for any of that. I mean, if you're going to make a play like that, you got to at least try to make an effort to run it down. At least try. I know you're not going to get to it. Of course, you're not going to get to that ball. It was 50 feet away from him. But I mean, you saw that play last night, yesterday. It was a pretty ugly play, that ball that uh, got past JBJ. He ran the thing down. The dude was running after it. I know it just kept on skipping, 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 but he was running for it. He was going for the ball and he was trying to get to it. I know it was a triple still, but I mean, you know, maybe Tapia could have had his uh, inside the park home run cut down to a triple. I mean, probably not, but maybe had he actually run for it. We see what Duran looks like on the base path. He's a fast guy. And Why don't you go sprint down the damn line all the way to the center field triangle and try to pick the thing up and gun it in? I'm not saying you're going to get any better any better luck, but at least make an effort, dude. Come on. I mean, like Chris said, too, my biggest thing was the fact that Corden pull him, you know, the next inning or after that batter, you know, he stays in the game. Then even the, the game after, he's batting leadoff. Exactly. And you want to – you just literally you, – you said it. You started off with what you just said with your take by saying accountability. You want to have accountability. The manager failed to put any accountability on that team. Yeah. You know what? That kind of sets a bad example too for the rest of the team because they're thinking, okay, so Jaron doesn't have to run the ball down. He gets to just sit there and let Verdugo go and do my dirty work. And then he gets to stay in that ball game and continue to participate. I I think a reasonable, reasonable managerial decision in that case would be to remove him from the game. Like you said, Chris, put him on the bench. 
and make him think about what he did, basically put the man in timeout. I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to if you want to break it down to pretty simple terms. My other thing, too, was we talked about it like last week, how bad they played against against the division. And you come out of the all-star break, you need to win games in the division because everyone in your division is good. Even the Orioles now are like within three games of 500, whatever the record is. And your first series out of the all-star break is filled with like 10 different embarrassing moments to top off what has already happened to this point in the season. While you're trying to fight for a wild card spot. It's not looking very good. They are trending downward very, very, very quick. Um, what you were saying before, I mean, you see a team like the Orioles kind of surging right now. That's got to get them a little uh, uncomfortable, you, given the fact that they've had very, very limited success against AL East, and a majority of those teams are now looking to be contenders. Should the Red Sox end up pulling out and making the playoffs, it's going to be really hard to defeat those teams if they continue to play this way against them. My This Red Sox team, there is no leader. There is not one player on this team that is a leader. There isn't. And if if people want to go and say Xander, I'm sorry. Xander Bogarts should have ripped Jaron Duran, a new asshole, in that dugout the second that that inning was over. Not yeah, that that's I was just thinking too, actually. Nothing yeah. on TV or reported that any player – you know who would have done that? I, and I know I've given him a little bit of crap, but Chris Sale would have done that. Chris Sale, at least, again, when he's not kicking TVs, he sometimes has that fiery little, you know, switch inside of him. They don't have – there's not a player on this – J.D. Martinez isn't going to – he's too busy walking around with an ice pack on his back. The dude can't play. He played in the All-Star game. He's missed out four straight games. Why is he not on the I.L.? J.D. Martinez isn't going to say squat. He ain't going to say nothing. Where's Xander? Rafi, I guarantee if this team was actually competitive – Rafi's not on the IL. I guarantee it. I guarantee that. You know, speaking of people who, who might not, you, you said there was nobody on the team that would get mad. You know who I feel like would have gotten mad at that play had he been pitching that night? Nick Pavetta. I could totally see Nick Pavetta snapping, walking up to Jaron, saying, what the hell are you doing, bro? Go get that damn ball. Don't leave me hanging like that. You're making me look bad, too. But where was he in the dugout to do that? That's true. There was no, there was no presence, seemingly no presence where anybody came up and called him out, told him, Hey, I don't know what the hell got into you out there, but after this game, you're not going to go out and say crap about the twilight. You're going to go out there and you're going to take accountability and say, I messed up. I did not make my, you know, my job or my life any easier. I should have done something. Well, someone- he got snippy with the reporter too. I don't know if yeah, you guys saw that. Come on, man. Come on. I understand you don't want to hear the question. You don't want to talk about it, but I mean, you really didn't do anything. You just stood there. You turned around and you looked at the fucking ball. Pardon my French, but come on, man, just do something. Anyway, like we were saying with Xander, that kind of leads me to a, you know, a different uh, line of thinking. I know that there's been like a big tug of war over. Do we sign Xander? Do, do we trade him? What do we do with him? Do we let him stay and then let him walk? Um, when you say that there's no there's no veteran leadership, and that seems to be a big staple of what the people who want Xander to stay around will kind of segue into. When they talk about how Xander is such a presence in the, in the locker room and how he needs to be around because he's a veteran, he's a leader, you just don't really see that come out when, you know, people are making bonehead plays out in the field. So really makes you wonder. 
the last four or five is he really integral? The last four or five games, Xander Bogart's playing his ass off right now too. But again, let's gonna keep it real. This team, and I and I hate seeing this. Like that game, you're down twenty plus runs. Why did not one guy on the Blue Jays take a fastball off the ass? Why did not one guy get drilled? Just to just for the sheer fact of you're running the score up on us. You just hit an inside the park grand slam. We can't feel the uh, to save our life. Just something to kind of change a little bit of the narrative. Do something. Nothing even happened. Nothing even happened. Even tr- to try to. I'm not saying they should have gotten a full fledged, you know, Donnie Brook out there, but not even not even a fastball you know, to the ribs of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like something like that should have happened. The manager should have got tossed at some point. Like where's like, where, where is the trying to, to just rally, find something to rally around because clearly you're not wanting to rally around going into the postseason. because if you did, you wouldn't play the way they played. I, and, and, and I'm so tired of hearing, I'm so tired of hearing, well, they you know, they have guys that are out of place, out of position. Guess what? That's, that's, that's Hein Bloom's fault. If Franchi Cordero is not a first baseman and he's an outfielder playing first, that's on Hein. He brought him in here. If Christian Arroyo is out of place playing right field, that's on Hein because he traded the right fielder and didn't go ahead and adequately find another right fielder. When Jeter Downs is throwing the ball off the back of the runner, trying to tag him out at home and, and making just regular errors at third base back to back. What was it yesterday? Yep. Yep. A second baseman playing third, if he's out of position, that's on Hein Bloom. Sorry, that's on Bloom. The, and again, I've been very supportive of Hein Bloom, but you know, I, I don't know the last time that Hein Bloom won a World Series of the Boston Red Sox because he hasn't yet. So no, I, I agree. I think it's time that we. It, it's like okay, you, you've already dropped the f bomb. We're trying to keep it clean, so I'm just going to say it. Hein Bloom is like it's like we're putting the pussy on the pedestal. It's time to stop at that, all right? It's time to stop because Heinblum, okay, we don't know how these prospects that he's acquired are going to – what they're going to turn out to be. We don't know what that's going to be just yet. And to be honest with you, like what is the actual direction of the Boston Red Sox right now? Like what is this team actually trying to do? Because it doesn't feel like they're trying to compete at a major league level at the moment. There's it seems like the real priority right now is the farm system and making the farm system as good as a product as it can be. feels like they're really going out of their way to try to develop in, in-house talent and acquire more from outside the organization to stockpile and eventually have enough cards to deal to make that major league roster better. Unfortunately, that major league roster we're looking at now has not been producing, and as a result, the Red Sox are looking like they might end up subtracting from the highest level of their organization. So, Miggy. Yep. Would you, as a, as now let's just take the podcaster hat off for a second. As a Red Sox fan, would you rather just hear Heimboom say, look, my focus right now, we have to rebuild this farm system. We've been doing it for the last two years. We're not, and not talking like the robot you know, just talk like an adult, like a human being and just say, Hey, look, we need to focus on doing and continuing to build this farm system, continuing to draft, 
that's going to be our focus. And the major league roster is going to be competitive, but it's, it's not what I think we want people to say. like, basically just be more transparent. So what I'd rather Heim come out front and just say, Hey, we're building farm system. We're not too worried about the major league. That's just going to build itself. And we'll go from there. That was trying to ask. Basically, it took me 40 minutes to get there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, because you see what this team did last year. Last, like I'm going back to, it. we went, we were two games away from the World Series last season. Why, why are you? I mean, and we're focused as a fan base on trying to keep these key, key assets to this team. You have Bogarts that we're trying to get the extension to. You have Devers that we're trying to keep. I don't feel like the farm system is what we need to focus on, especially after the season we had last year. And to jump on that too, two of the main reasons why that that team was two wins away from going to the World Series and six wins away from winning the World Series was because Hunter Renfro had a career year. He's not here anymore. That offense is not – they haven't – no one has filled in that void for his offense yet. And then Kyle Schwarber, he's gone. And I know it was only a handful of months that the Red Sox had him, but – I mean, he was leading off. He was, you know, providing, you know, home runs that at, at clips that, you know, those grand slams in the postseason, just two major pieces are gone. And they're not, the, the team is not the same as what it was last year before the deadline, before the, you know, in that series against the Astros. Eduardo Rodriguez is gone. You know, he was a, a big reason that that team went to the ALCS. It's just, I look at, I look at what they're trying to do. It's again, it's like the Dodgers, right? And it's, it took, it took the Dodgers some time to get to the point where they're at. And I know people are going to say, well, the Dodgers have a $300 million payroll. Well, they have $110 million committed to their roster next year. And it's only with the likes of a Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and uh, Justin Turner and, and players like that. They develop so well, but they also have a really good knack at finding the Max Muncies of the world and the Justin Turners of the world, which I think the Red Sox are trying to do. But it's just, it's so puzzling because you have a guy in Rafael Devers and it really feels as if like he's going to end up being moved, which now I will segue into my Alex Cora take. One, I'll ask the question first. I'll start with Jamie. Is Bloom and Alex Cora on the same page? I don't think they are. Just because I think we've seen how competitive Cora is. Um, and he's usually very good at connecting with, you know, his players and get, getting the most out of them. Um, and I feel like this year, Bloom kind of put him in a position to not succeed. I mean, you talked about you know, trading Renfro, letting Schwarber walk and not really replacing either, either of those guys. Um, so he didn't really give Cora that much help. And I feel like they've struggled this year, but that's mostly on Bloom. And Cora has done the best with what he has on a nightly basis. And, you know, it's not getting that much help compared to last year. Um, and they're just not as deep. I think we've seen it so far with the injuries, even the past few days with the lineups they've run out there. And just when they've had key guys on the injured list, throughout this season their depth is nowhere near what it was last year um which was a 
one reason why they got, you know, as deep in the postseason as they got. Yeah, I think I think a guy like Alex Cora clearly puts an emphasis on the ability to talk to and communicate with his players, really get on the same page as all of them. And that honestly might be a factor as to why he's not really as, uh, you know, eager, but more reluctant to kind of put any blame on anybody, point fingers at anybody, because in my opinion, some of these guys who we're seeing now, we're just getting a cup of tea right now, aren't particularly looking all that ready to be in the major leagues. And it's very evident when you see these silly little misplays, miscues. Um, I think that Alex Cora definitely has his fair share of analytical knowledge, but whether he'd rather play like that or if he would rather go and take the old school route like he played with is kind of up in the air. We know where uh, Heim Bloom stands on that, uh, that ground. You know, the two of them, I, I think I think the reason that Cora was favored to come back is because of his history, what he accomplished here in his first year. And then he came back in 19, took a step back a little bit. 2020 obviously happened and they brought in Renicky. That didn't go very well. And then when it came down to it, it was between Cora and somebody who is notoriously analytical and Sam Fold as the finalist. They opted to go back with Cora. And I think that a big reason for that was because of his prior you know, tenure in Boston. It was ownership. I don't ownership. I don't, yeah, basically. I don't think that Bloom rehired Alex Cora. I think that was John Henry in ownership saying, we're going to bring him back. And I think it's fine. I think Alex Cora is a good manager. And I agree with you guys for all intents and purposes, what we've gotten to see, what he's done with this team. I think he's done a really, you know, I think he's done a, a, a I want to say a really good job. I think he's done a good job though. Um, but I said it last week, I tweeted it out. So I'm going to say this again, and then I'm going to elaborate on it. The kind of baseball that the Red Sox are playing gets your manager fired. And again, I'm not saying I want them to fire Alex Cora, but I'm going to go a little uh, one step deeper. I really believe that Alex Cora will step down as being the manager of the Red Sox if Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers are not on this roster come next year. If, if they move Xander at the deadline and then we find out that Devers goes this offseason, I'm going on the record and saying this right now, is that Alex Cora, he will forego his last two years as manager. He will step down because there's no incentive for, the, for that man to manage this team. Yeah, I agree you with really that. Believe, you really believe that a guy like – I do. I really believe that. And the reason why I, I believe that is – think about it, right? A handful of years ago, he had a core of Mookie Betts, and Xander Bogarts, and this is assuming that these guys leave, right? But Xander, Mookie, JD, Devers, uh, Benny, you know, that's that's a find me a better core. You know what I mean? Like that was that that's a that's a rock solid core that you can build around and hope to win multiple multiple championships with. Yeah. Now yeah, have- comes and goes. I mean, I just I just am a little up in the air. If- Devers is even remotely considered as a trade candidate. I don't think that that's somebody that Boston would be willing to move on from. I think that that's think the kind of person would. to open the wall up for. They know how valuable he is to the team, how much talent he has, and what he possesses in that bat. And even his defense, which has gotten significantly better, I just can't imagine that they would even consider dangling him in any sort of trade scenario. I would yeah. be shocked. I have a hot take after after your point, Chris. Well, what? 
I think that the Red Sox are going to entertain trading him. I don't want them to trade him. They shouldn't trade him. You should sign a Rafael Devers. Because what Rafael Devers is is exactly what they're trying to build right now. You, you sign him as an as a international free agent. You develop him in your system. He's come up, and he's become a superstar. So do we want to develop superstars and have players like that? Or do we want to go ahead and develop guys who are just, eh, they're okay. It's it, like, are we trying, is it like, you know, I don't want to go after the prettiest girl. I'm just going to have, I'm going to go after the five and hope she puts a little makeup on and she's a seven every once in a while. Like, is that what the Red Sox are trying to do? Because that's what it feels like they're trying to do. And it sucks. And I know we're putting the cart way before the horse with Devers. I'm telling you now, mark my words, if, if both those guys are not on this roster, come this fall and winter, Alex Cora is going to resign. And you know what? If he does, I think, one, I support it, and this fan base next year needs to hit this, this team where it hurts. And we should be actually be starting it right now because the only way they're going to re-sign Devers stop going to the games as much, if we stop spending as much merchandise, and we stop putting our damn eyes on Nesson and watching this team. That's the only way they're going to go ahead and sign it because they're going to realize, hey, I got a $30 app that no one is signing up for, and my best third baseman probably since maybe, what, Wade Boggs? This team is ever that they've developed is about to walk out the door. That's all I got, Jamie. I agree with that. I feel like looking at it, just the fact that Xander's not extended yet, so you're going to let him test test market at this point, which is just going to make it harder because other teams can throw their offers out there, um, you know, which will push the Sox to spend. And we've seen how they are with extensions. And I feel like that's just going to have a domino effect because, you know, if you piss off. Devers at any point during that he's close to Bogarts so now you create a rift between one of the best players you developed in the past century because you know Bogarts is going to leave and that hasn't been handled the way it should have been handled um just I agree with like what Chris said it's annoying that it kind of feels like it right now because with him you know with Devers and Bogarts and even Vasquez it's not like you don't have the talent to be a good team you know be a playoff team with the guys you have coming up and it just kind of feels like with who they add in the offseason, which basically was no one, which was just like what Diekman and Sharon was probably their two big additions, that this team was not set up to be successful and to kind of be at the point they are. And just, I mean, looking at the rest of the division too, you know, with where the Yankees are, the Rays are always going to be good. The Blue Jays will probably be a lot better next year. The Orioles looks like their years of sucking are, are done. Like they're going to be, good for the rest of the year. All those young guys are coming up. And then you look at the Sox and it's like, that's where everyone else in the division is. We got two franchise cornerstones. We don't know what's happening. JD's probably going to leave. Vasquez is a free agent. You know, you look at, you look, you look at the roster of all these guys leave and where everyone else in the division that, and it's like, the outlook on this team is very different than a couple months ago. Yeah. No, the whole landscape could change and, the next week we don't know what's going to happen here i mean the team has been playing like you know they don't care clearly and um it kind of leads you down the, the road of uh if they don't pick it up and start trying winning some damn games get hot in the next week you could see a very different roster from now it's see, and that's, why I, that's why i agree with chris on if those two guys walk come this fall there's no re- there's no reason for core to stay either I mean, he if he had he does have those problems with time, 
a month ago when when the Sox were, you know, contenders and everything, Heim came out and said, we're going to add two right-handed guys. We've seen no progress. We've heard no progress on that. Heim's not doing anything to help out Cora. He's giving him these hard line. He's giving him these lineups just roll out every day and, hey, do do with what you can because I can't – I'm not going to do anything to help you. Yeah, you know, I, I got a question for you guys really quick. I don't know, Chris, if you if you had another point to make. I was going to ask one quick question. Do you think that the sense of – there's not really a sense of urgency? Because, I mean, like we, we heard a month ago, like maybe you said, that Bloom – had intentions of adding and we haven't seen any adding yet clearly besides you know that in the form of call-ups and minor league kind kinds of transactions so I'm starting to wonder you know what the game plan is now because clearly it seems like they're really waiting down to the wire to make any kind of transaction yeah, no, you wonder is the asking price too high for something that's even slightly you know commendable of an addition what's going on well, because if I were them, I feel like the time to add would have been like when they were hot and when they had all that confidence. Yeah, could exactly. have gotten maybe a Steve Pierce, someone, a utility player that could make that type of impact. Or a guy like, you know, Schwarber last year was one of the top guys, but he was also hurt. So they kind of struck at that time when his value was at the lowest. And Bloom should have done that, you know, when this team was scorching hot a month ago and everyone was clicking to show that, you know, he believed in them and to keep that spark up and inject more excitement because it's a long season. And when you're that hot, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to last for like six months. You have to take advantage of that when it happens. And now, like we've said throughout this, they've been destroyed, I think is a nice way to put it the past three games. Mm. And now it's like, all right, do we really want to add? Cause we saw what the blue Jays just did to us in our, in our own ballpark. Does it really make sense to add if, if that's where we're at now, they should have they should have added in June, like you said. You know what your team is. You know, I mean, you know what your team is. And if the asking price is too high, okay. But you could have tried to at least do bring in one, get one arm if you can. And I, and you know, it, and I understand too. There's a ton of players that are hurt, and they're going to be coming back soon. And but it, I feel like it's. Yeah, there's two and a half months left to play. A little less than that now. We'll just, just call it two months to play. I just feel like it's too late. I, I, I just feel that it's now too late. You know, and you can go ahead and add now CJ Cron, and you can go ahead and add Daniel Bard, and you can do all that stuff. I just, they've given us no inclination that they can beat anybody in the American League East. You're going to have to play somebody from the AL East in the postseason if you get there. You've shown, and you're going to, and you're going to actually have to play the three games in their ballpark. And you've shown that you can't beat anybody in your division. So, yeah, I want to see them in the postseason. I want to have that same atmosphere that we got to see on TV in, in, from Fenway. This team is just not likable right now. And, yeah, I think the players, the way they're playing is – I don't really think that they get the sense that the front office believes in what in them. And I think it's part of why it go back to the Yankee series. You guys, they got the doors blown off with New York before the all-star break. Those last two games, we got five straight games where they've just, it's been piss poor. You gave up 50 plus runs. It's not a coincidence that just doesn't happen out of the blue. So 
And we're, we're one Trevino mess up from being two weeks from winning the game. <laughs> it, it, it's really absurd, to be honest. I mean, the, the amount of runs that have been given up in some of these games. And it's not like it's, it's a rookie worst. every time either. It's like you'll have an occasional guy who's an established vet, like Avaldi the other night, just the, the tires just spin off and the dude just can't seem to, you know, get an out. I don't know what's going on. It just feels like everything that could possibly be going wrong is all happening at the same time. You get Chris Sale back, finally. Second game back, dude gets hit in the hand. Obviously, that's out of his control, but I mean, geez, it just feels like some kind of curse or a hex on the team right now. It's really kind of frightening to think about. I was making it's a like comment tonight. the other day. I said, someone needs to go over to Fenway Park and sage it. <laughs> Get all that negative energy out of there, like Pronto. Ever since Jamie left, everything went to shit. And I'm going to move back. I'm going to move back. <laughs> it's like tonight, they, they get that one up to me, and Mother Nature's like, you know what? About that, I'm going to rain for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they got momentum. Okay, let's rain for a minute. They just pulled the off. They're going to get their two sex back on the mound, warming up. But, I mean, who knows? If, if they go and they win, you know, they take three or four from this Cleveland team, and then, you know, take two or three from Milwaukee. You go into Monday, the day before the deadline, and now you maybe you say, okay, we're going to try to do a little something for this team and maybe see what happens in the next two months. Who knows? We have, we have what, eight games till, till Dre deadline? Eight, seven? Seven days. There's 31 days. I think eight days, yeah. What's the record that you feel comfortable having going into the trade deadline and be, be buyers instead of sellers? I don't it's think, obvious right now. We're we're all thinking sellers. I, I think that they need to if they're still within like if they're within like two games of the wild card and they played well this week, I think you're doing your team a disservice. And if I'm Xander Bogarts, I would I would tell Heim, I would tell John Henry, by the way, after I opt out, don't, don't even bother calling me. I'm all set because you didn't believe in this team last year, and we had to kind of beg for you guys to go out and make a move and you didn't do anything this year, if they don't – that's where I kind of feel like it's, it's like a double-edged sword, you know, especially knowing that Xander could go and, and walk. I don't know. It just um, – it sucks to see this team play this way. Um, the fan base is so divided right now. It's like two separate fan bases. You got the, you got the fan base who just thinks that there's just shit and skittles out the sky with this team, that everything's going to be okay – you know, like they don't want to, they, they don't want to see what it really is. And when you try to say it, they don't want to hear it. And then there's the other part of the fan base that if they saw Heim Bloom on the street, they'd probably run, run down with their car. Like that's, that's kind of the two portions of the fan base. It's the most divided. I, I've honestly, I think I've ever seen this fan base in maybe my lifetime. Yeah. It's really crazy to see the, uh, the polar opposites right now. I mean, there's people who are still holding on for hope dear life. There's people who are completely off on it. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's still, regardless of how poorly they played, there still is a little ounce of hope in the fact that they're not relatively far off from being back in the hunt. But they really need to think of a way to strategize and make this deadline effective and work it into their advantage. I mean, last year, I remember sitting there waiting for the deadline, wondering what Boston was going to do. 
and really came down to the wire before we saw those two deals, uh, Schwarber, or three deals, Schwarber, um, Chavis departing for a big fudge and Hansel Robles. Um, but I mean, this could be a completely different thing. If, if they, if they are close enough, you could strategize it in a way where you can subtract well, both, you know, adding talent that's ready without just going for the prospects. It seems that they're always just going for the prospects, but there has to be some kind of way. Something's got to give here. Maybe take a, take an expiring contract and flip that for an area that needs work. That's also on an expiring contract. Who's that going to be? You, you see, you're either going to have to flip. It's tough because some of these guys are high leverage players that are on expiring contracts. Like, you know, JD Martinez has been speculated as a trade uh, target for, I think, I think the Mets are interested in him. They've been scouting him. Makes sense on paper. But I mean, what are the Mets going to give up in exchange when they're still a pretty hot team themselves right now? They're not looking to subtract. I don't want to Dom Smith right now. He's not going to help much. If you trade JD Martinez to the Mets, for example, a Dom Smith's coming back in that move in that trade. You're going to get other pieces. You're going to get something else. It's not just going to be JD for Dom Smith. Well, yeah, of course not. You're going to get Dom Smith back because you have to, in some way, field a major league roster too. Even going into next year, you're going to get a player like that, and you got to hope that he's healthy and can take the next two months and and you know get and maybe hit 250 and try to be productive. Look, I would even just settle for the Red Sox making minor moves and re-signing Xander Bogarts. Because if they did, I feel like if they even did that, that would send a massive message to the team to say, yeah, look, we're going to try to get some pieces, but we have to, this is what was available to us. But we invested in Xander and he's going to be around and now Rafi's next. Maybe not right now, but Rafi's next during the offseason. I feel like that would be just for the psyche of the team to say, hey, we're not going to let Xander walk, but yeah, I don't know. I would I'm, sell. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be shocked. I mean, I guess I will be shocked if I read that's trading Xander Bogarts. Yes, I'll be shocked, but I mean it more in the respect of whatever, whatever way that Heimboom goes, I'm not going to be shocked that he went in that direction is how I'm trying to say it. So, so you wouldn't be them, shocked if they were big buyers, is what you're saying? You wouldn't be shocked that they went and did that? If they went and if they went and got, you know, another like a bat very similar to Kyle Schwarber like last year and brought that in here, I would be excited and be like, oh wow, like they actually did that. Okay, so now he's all in. Okay, I'm not shocked that he's gonna try to go all in, but I'm kind of shocked that he made the move. It's like it's like the but if he went the opposite way though, and then traded Xander, he he better get a he better get a deal that's better than what he got from Mookie Betts. Yeah, that's a big white flag right there. But, I mean, it's hard to say with with all of the immense talent that's potentially on the board and the trade deadline, I just don't see Xander as being one of those guys who's considered a top priority right now. I mean, you got people like, – there's rumors that Otani might be available. Uh, we know Juan Soto is almost certainly going to be dealt. Yeah. There's so much big names that are generating buzz right now that people aren't even really paying much mind to guys like Bogarts at the moment. Obviously, he's being scouted in the event that he becomes available, but we don't really know what's going on. I mean, this has got to be a tremendously that could be that could be a, a plus though, where it's just you know the front office is just in the background, just doing their thing. Hey, look, everybody's paying attention to Soto. Everybody's paying attention to you know some of his other players. 
you know, maybe Bloom gets four or five calls from one from like maybe one's from the Cardinals or even wherever. And he goes and just says, this is what it's going to, who knows? I hope it doesn't come to that. Again, I'll, I'll be, it's going to suck because it's going to be another, it's going to be another name that is basically what you want your team to be right now. You want to develop and, and build them and watch them flourish. Xander's done that. But if you feel that you can upgrade, if, if the Red Sox let him go and they turn around this offseason and sign like a Trey Turner, all right. Okay, I'm okay with that. Well, hey, here's what, here's what my take is on this. Like we said, we, we know that Bloom and the rest of the front office, they like homegrown talent. And we know that Devers and Xander are exactly that. The problem is, is Heimblum doesn't have that connection to these guys in the way that he does with the guys that he's drafted. You know what I'm saying? You well, look at a lot of these players that are on the team um, or, or in the minor leagues right now, and you know that he, want, he he's holding them near and dear to his heart, clearly. He really likes all these guys and doesn't want to see them go anywhere. So that's kind of what I feel like is kind of making me lean in the direction of a guy like if, if anyone, if any big name guy is going to go, I have a sneaking suspicion that Bogarts very well could be on the block. I'd love to see him stay in Boston, ride it out a lot more longer than he has uh, on his contract at the moment, but I just can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be really interesting this next mm-hmm. week. Very stressful for a lot of Austin fans, regardless of how they're playing. Just to kind of, just a rebuttal of that though, like I get Heimboom is going to hold those young players in that regard. I, great. But if you also can't identify that a guy like Xander Bogarts, again, I think his age is going to play into it being what 30 right now, mm-hmm. even like a Raphael Devers, like Devers is every team in the league wishes they had a Raphael Devers. If you're willing to let not to, <laughs> Like if you're willing to let that go because you want to have more of those young chips, then be then be the head of scouting uh, or player development for an organization. Don't be the general manager of the organization or the chief baseball officer. But you know, again, I also want to enjoy the Boston Red Sox in 2022 and 2023 while also knowing that they're trying to build for 25, 26, 27. Like I can appreciate that. I understand that. But you have the ability to build your farm system and still try to put out a competitive product. I am not saying you need to have 30, uh, 26 guys in there were on your roster making 20 million. And I, and I think a lot of fans feel that that's what they should have. The Dodgers have done it. They've, they've, they've had a blueprint and they've, they've done it. They were competitive and they still built. It's time for the Red Sox to do that. Right, and Boston's still trying to be competitive. I mean, we saw how the team looked at the beginning of the year. They kind of came in a little cold, a little frigid, but, I mean, they had the names. They had the players. Those players just were not clicking. And, unfortunately, a lot of these guys haven't even been able to come back and prove themselves and show that they could still be an asset to the team because everybody's getting hurt, I swear. How many players are on the IL right now? There's got to be at least six or seven, right? tweet that I share with you guys was kind of yeah. all injured. Uh, you know, listen, yeah. That, it, it I mean, it- everyone's hurt. I mean, that's not helping. You know, you got like basically the Woo Sox out there on, on, on the diamond at Fenway. It's just kind of like, how, how the hell is this team going to beat big name Yankees and get the job done against 
Alec Manoa and all these big, you know, there's, there's just a lot going on with, with Boston right now. And it's very hard to kind of wrap my head around, I guess, comprehend. It's, uh, Alec Manoa though. The second that he had that little like, okay, that was, that was ridiculous. All right. That, was. that very next inning, a ball should have went into someone's ass. Tanner Houck, he pitched the following inning and Tanner Houck should have drilled somebody or at least, you know, sent a message and that didn't even happen. Nope, Bob with his tail between his legs and Franchi just stared him down with his tail between his legs and then their pitcher that went on the mound, Tanner Houck, couldn't even have his players back. Yeah, and Tanner Houck kind of seems like the guy who would do it too, right? (laughs) Alex Cora said, don't do anything. Again, I'm going to go back and say, that's a leadership issue. The Red Sox should have, like, that was just, and credit to the Blue Jays because one of the coaches, or I don't know if it was the manager, that, like, literally, like, sat on the side of him and basically said, don't do that shit. Like, number one, Bob is hitting 211. You want to tell him to sit down? Just, <laughs> I, I would strike him out. He's going to sit down. Like, that's what happens. Bob just sits down. He walks to the, he walks to the batter box, and then he sits down. You need to tell him to do that. He's going to do it on his own. Trust me. Like, Alec, it's going to happen. Franchi, same thing. That was embarrassing for a kid who has a ton of potential. Cy Young candidate was just at the All Star game. I appreciate the passion, but when you're telling a two eleven hitter to sit down, dude, like that's pathetic. Did Bob showboat when he hit that home run? No, Bob didn't pick it. Bob ran around the bases. Bob was shocked. I think Bob was more shocked when he act the ball went over the fence and he made contact and he was you know running around the bases. That was that was where. He was, <laughs> And Does if anyone know what happened? Boy, man, let him have it. God damn. Well, I have I have a question for the fellas. What's up? Because personally, if I was them, I would sell. But my question is, how many pieces away do you think they are from? Okay. Like, yeah. Because my thing is, at the deadline, do you get those three extra pieces? And where this team is at, does that really push them over the hump compared to everyone else in the American League? So I feel like at that, so at that point, does it make sense to get those pieces, or can they just acknowledge the fact that this team just is not a championship team, and if you try to get that extra veteran piece, you're probably gonna get blown out in the playoffs because of how your team is set. So does it really make sense to do that at this point, especially what we've seen the past like seven games? That's my question. You got a first you know. If you got a first baseman, yes. I think if you got, and I mean like an actual first baseman, again, like maybe a CJ Cron or who's the other guy they were connected to, not Dom Smith. Josh Bell. Yeah, or something Josh like Bell. Like you go in and you get a legitimate like hitter. Yes. You get two more arms that you said you should have, and you get rid of Sawamura. Like get, get, that's the next guy that needs to go. Couldn't even field first base in, on Sunday. That, uh-huh. dude, sucks. that dude sucks. Sawamura is awful. No place in this roster. Anyway, um, you want to get you get two legitimate arms for your bullpen, maybe one or and a starter and a first baseman, and then you get Story to come off the IL, and then you're gonna get Devers back and JD. You don't make those moves. I think you're in business. I think you could be in business. If I think it depends on if you try go to go for it. I'll let you finish. No, I was trying not to, to vomit in my throat. Oh, <laughs> I think it depends on what you go with. I think if you can get you a CJ, I think I think he'd probably be the best move, especially because hypothetically you're going to lose JD. So after this season, you throw JD into the D, uh, CJ into the DH spot. 
and just kind of roll. control does CJ have? Well, that's the thing. But the Rockies would probably want more because you get a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, that's another issue. You have, but you do have the ability to. If you think, because I know, I know they have the prospects for it, but I'm just saying that's I feel like nothing to factor in with Cron. And if with how much Bloom likes his prospects, you're gonna have to give up more. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna have to move Nick York and somebody like that. I, I, I would say, why wouldn't you? Mm, I don't know if CJ Cron really warrants the return of a Nick York. But, but well, you want, if I looked at his stats, he's hitting 320 at Coors Field. Do you want to know he's hitting away from Coors Field? I don't even want to know. 212. 212. 212 when he's not at Coors Field. Okay. Well, they're going to see the splits, you know, every single <laughs> every single general manager that takes a look at those splits is going to be scared away, I'm sure. Pretty sure. certain. Oh um, now, when we go, if we go to Colorado and, you know, play an away game, Maybe they'll have a big, big game, right? <laughs> Who's to say? I don't know. I don't know uh, how many pieces are really necessary and what they're going to cost. And the sheer fact that there are so many big impending free agents on the team really puts me in a position of, do I want to gun it and try to get close again? Maybe get there. Maybe fall, fall my, my face again. Like last season, you know, it's tough. It's tough because even even when you go get a guy like Schwarber and then he walks after the season, people who are questioning that decision, like his productivity, and then start complaining that he's not back. And that's it's just like this continuous spiral of anger and frustration from the fans and nobody's ever happy. Oh, why did Chris Sale break his hand? What an ass. <laughs> it just seems like everybody is everybody, like everybody's just pointing fingers at each other. The world's on fire, apparently. So I'm just, I, I just don't really know what, where, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I just don't think that they should buy, not, not seriously, at least. Get some players with some control in exchange for some expiring contracts. Try to add a little bit at a competitive major league level and try to compete. And if you don't compete, then those guys are not coming back. And that's the end of it. I mean, maybe, maybe hold on to Xander, but maybe consider at least entertain the idea of trading a guy like JD or, you know, any of those other guys, the smaller guys. I mean, a lot of these dudes on the IL that are going to be expiring contracts. So I mean, very well might have seen the last of a guy like Kike, unfortunately. Love the dude. Yeah. I, I mean, only time's going to tell. And, I just, I don't know. I think that everything should be on the table when it comes, when it comes to it. I also think that if you're going to buy, I think every, I think every prospect should be on the table. I don't think anybody is untouchable at this point. I just don't. Because if, if you're going to lose your two superstars, you have to figure out a way to bring in something else to replace them. You know, Nick York's played 47 games this year. It's in 231. I, I don't think he's played for about a month. He's been hurt. So he's had a down year. But I don't, I'm not giving up on Nick York. I'm not, you know, he's a good hitter. He's a good young player, but I, I just don't, I like that they have, I think they have a good farm system, but I feel like that's a, what a lot of people like. I think Red Sox fans just like saying that we have all these young players. Well, then go watch the Woo Sox. Root for the Woo Sox. <laughs> go catch, okay, that's valid. <laughs> go, go catch a game up at Haddock Field and, and, you know, grab a, you know, have an ice cream in one of the big Portland Sea Dog hats. Um, you know, take. A- I, I gladly will. I will gladly do that, just because I want ice cream. 
<laughs> shout, shout to Catillo. <laughs> we're the, we're, we are the Boston. We are fans of the Boston Red Sox. They have a good system. Awesome. But you also have a system. You can trade some of those players and bring in good talent to continue to make your team better. But I don't know. I think it's probably been the first time as a collective four that we've, um, I think we've been, I, I think we've been aligned where we, we feel that, you know, this team is in trouble and it sucks, but I guess we've got to file that under. It is what it is right now. And hopefully, hopefully Heimblum and his front office makes the right moves to uh, better this team. So hard to believe we're only three games off a wild card spot. It feels like they're 15 games at a wild card spot. It really does. Yeah. Watch. It does. Right, we'll know we'll know where we're at in about five days. That that should be a telltale sign. By I'm gonna I'm gonna say by Friday we should have a pretty clear idea of what we're gonna do here. Blue when he when he yeah. picked, when he picked up uh, Schwarber, it was a few days before the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um when he made that move. So uh, I don't know if they're going to, it's so, I like when they make trades. Well, hey, I was reading, I was being, I was reading MLB trade rumor chat, chat transcripts last night and um, the moderator made a pretty good point. He said, don't expect to see a lot of trade action until the international draft signing period has concluded. Once that's uh, all squared away, then you can start to expect to see some of these guys uh, kind of make their mind up on what they want to do with the prospects that are currently in the system to make room for the new signees. So, and there could be injuries point, this week. We don't know. Maybe a key player gets injured in the next week leading up to dead leading up to the deadline. It seems like okay, we got a hold of Phil. We, we yeah, don't know exactly. We we don't know. No, <laughs> anything could happen this week. It's going to be a long, long, stressful week, but. Uh, we're all going to get through it together. <laughs> Maybe the Nats That's the positive. Drunk, and he just asked for like Franchi for Juan Soto. We don't know. Probably not yeah, going to happen. Hey, hey, it could happen, man. Anything's possible. We'll start raining cats and dogs too. We're at it, right? Right. Let's see it. So, as we uh, begin to, excuse me, uh, land this plane here, I want to go off topic really quick. I actually want to go completely off of Major League Baseball really quick. And just kind of throw some couple of random questions out there to you guys, and kind of get your uh, your instant reaction. So I'm gonna start with uh, I'm gonna start with Miggy. Oh boy. <laughs> thoughts on what's your thoughts on the Kevin Durant potentially coming to the Boston Celtics? I love it just because of how much Boston Celtic fans hate it. I'm a big hater. I obviously hate the Celtics. But I love KD, and I want to see KD win another ring. So wow. I I hate to see the Celtics win one, but I want KD to win one. Okay. I know Steve, you're not a, you know we don't really do basketball, but what's- I'll get into it. I don't know. Um, yeah, I I don't know how I feel about Jalen Brown being a part of the package. I I like the dude. I mean. I like I like having the Killer Jays, whatever the hell you guys call them. <laughs> They're fun to watch, but uh. That's the name of the show, the Killer Jays. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I don't know. <laughs> this goes to show how little I know about the Celtics. The Killer Jays, man. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm okay with the idea of Durant coming here, but I 
isn't he kind of an egomaniac? I don't, I don't really like guys like that in Boston. I mean, we all saw how Kyrie went and didn't end on good terms. I am not a Kyrie Irving fan. I who is? Is there is there such a thing? His dad or his maybe. mom? His dad, flatter society, maybe. I don't know. The fact that any NBA team would want him and want to make a trade for him, just basically seeing what the photo was like at the end in Cleveland and the end in Boston and now the end in, in, in Brooklyn. It just, it's, yeah, it's all about him. I can't deal. Uh, Jamie, how about you? Um, I think he's probably going to get dealt. Well, Jalen, I mean, because, you know, as we all saw a tweet that I sent in the group chat, it's public knowledge now that the Celtics are at least willing to trade him. Um, even though, you know, Gross back and Brad are probably already sent him a text reassuring, you know, we want you in Boston, probably sent him something along those lines. But he saw the trade rumors on social media. Everyone's seen it. So now it's kind of out there that, that they're willing to offer him in a deal, which makes things, you know, now there's that awkward tension where it's like, do you really want me here? Because you were willing to trade me like a month ago. So I know I just feel like that's going to make the offseason for the Celtics weird because you can't take it back. Yeah. And whoever leaked that, if they're trying to sabotage the Celtics, they did a really good job um, because <laughs> there's, like, no positive way for Jalen to take that. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way in a couple of days he's like, okay, you know, I've reacted. It's like the franchise is like, we really like you, but for the right player, we'll offer you up if we feel like we need to do it. It's kind of like that's what they put out there. Now Jalen's over here shaking his head, man. So, well, I feel like too from him, it's like, you know, you we were with Tatum. You guys just made to the finals, so you would feel like the franchise wouldn't want to trade you because you guys are both young. But now it's out there that they're willing to trade you and like don't maybe believe that you and Tatum together can do this thing. And if it gets and if it gets a player that we think's better, we'll at least listen. I think that I heard a really good thing. I heard a good take from a caller on the radio on my ride back from Boston on the way home. Um, but what if Jalen doesn't want to stay here? What if he actually in two years wants to leave? Maybe he doesn't really want to play with, with Jason Tatum. I mean, Jalen Brown is clearly thinks that he's bigger than what he actually is as a player. You know, those a few years ago, we had that, you know, championships conversation with that reporter. Um, hey, that's me as Mickey's background. Um, <laughs> uh, championships reporter thing. Um, I just, if he, if he doesn't, if, if it's true that he doesn't want to be here, then move him. And if you can get the, the maybe the best player in basketball and in, in Kevin Durant, you signed for four years, you're probably going to get maybe two really good years out of him, maybe three. I think it's a no-brainer. You do it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hasn't there always been tension before uh, between Tatum and Brown? Um, I think the tension. Uh, I don't know. Uh, to be honest with you, I think that tension uh, conversation is the Boston media needs something to talk about. So we're going to create that tension from that standpoint. Um, but I think I think Jalen Brown made his intentions clear when he signed with you know Kanye's group. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. He's, you trade him to Brooklyn, you 
I'm all, look, I am not a Marcus Smart fan. I have never been a Marcus Smart fan. So you want to send him to see ya. Um, but uh, I don't know. I feel like the Celtics are built probably in the better position out of all the teams right now in, in Boston and counting with the Patriots. So, um, but if you get Kevin Durant, then you need to win next year. You got to win next year. And if not, I think that's a colossal failure. Um, so do our Boston Red Sox, right? I don't think, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm being optimistic here, man. Come on, inject it into my veins. Steve, that's why we appreciate happiness you. in Boston <laughs> again, for God's sake. Everybody feels, everybody feeling down right now. Let's, let's, let's find some uh, positivity out of <laughs> the last I'll, couple I'll, of weeks. I'll fly back tomorrow morning. Yeah, get your ass back here. <laughs> I got one more random non baseball. Questions. Uh, oh boy, what's this one going to be? It's a little different on the pod. You know, a little, uh, a little different here. Um, we like different. You guys have seen, and it was in our, our group message earlier, but you guys saw that uh, um, Kyla Murray signed that massive extension, the five year, 230, 100 uh, guaranteed. Did you say goats? Did you say call Kyler Murray the goat? Sorry, Chris, continue. I just. Goats! Not a goat. He's not a goat. Me, he's not a okay. Just continue because I have a follow up question legend. for me. Um, on that note, yeah. <laughs> goodbye. It's a Baby, you're, you're muted. You're muted for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Pod timeout. You had to just mute him. You had to build into his contract for him to to do studying for the playbook. Is that someone you really want to give $160 million guarantee to that you have to tell him, hey, look, you got to prepare for these games? So my question is, were the Cardinals smart in giving him that extension, or is it a massive, massive failure? We'll start with Steve. (laughs) Very stupid. Once again, uh, not very educated in anything but baseball. I'm a one-trick pony. But that being said – uh, I think that is not the kind of money that you want to give to a quarterback who's relatively unproven. I know he's a younger dude and he doesn't have much to show for his career to this point. I mean, I've heard that he's, uh, you know, kind of comes in and out of being effective. Like he's a little incon- inconsistent, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think I think it, he was kind of he was kind of foolish to take big money from a team like that and potentially block them from making more moves to build a core around him. Forty six and a half million dollars a year. Which yeah, is- that's that's crazy. That's absurd. Goats. Uh, and apparently he's he's a goat, as Mickey has pointed out now three times. Legend. I have so I have so much to say, Mickey. I like I, I I grew up watching that man play in high school, and I've seen him just run all over defenses. He's I've always been a fan of him. Um, he did kind of cl- he collapsed last year in the second half, though. I don't know if that makes him the goat. He sure did. <laughs> he also started. The season I'm, just, off I'm just saying, if we're gonna call him the goat, if we're gonna call him the goat, I'm just throwing this all out of here. Okay, I'm just saying. I mean, he did he did it all single handedly, no running back, no. Well, you so. then you elevate the people around you because. The actual true goat, Tom Brady, has done. Thank you, here. thank you, Chris. Like he has elevated people around him, and Kyler Murray has not done that. And I know you you threw the comment back in our group chat by saying um, guys were hurt. Yeah, you know what though, Tom Brady, other than when he had Welker and Randy Moss, and that was for a really 
short period of time. Um, he, had, he didn't really have wide receivers. Okay, but you, he's had DeAndre Hopkins for a longer, you know, like he's had, he had Larry Fitzgerald for, like he's had what, he's got people to throw the rock to. He's, he didn't elevate that team's play. And then you got Cliff Kingsbury who, you know, only went, oh, I just lost the feed. <laughs> you know, like he's a decent coach, but I just feel like with that team, wants to be the Rams so bad. They like they want to be the they want to be the Rams so bad. Kingsbury wants to be McVay and Kyler Murray just wants to be relevant. And he's not. He's not a top five quarterback. He's a fringe top ten quarterback. I'll give you maybe ten. Um I will not be drafting him in any fantasy leagues. And I do not think that they should have given him one hundred and sixty million dollars guaranteed when you have to tell the guy, oh by the way, I gotta build in your contract for four for four hours a week, you need to do independent prep for the games. That is just such a bad look. I, that is, I think that is a terrible, terrible signing by the Arizona Cardinals. Jamie, go. I agree. I mean, if you, the quarterback, I know it's a stressful job. Everyone's trying to kill you while you're on the field. It's stressful. But if you got to get paid to read the playbook, which is one of your, like, main – jobs probably job number two other than actually throwing the inflated football or deflated however you want it to be (laughs) um you know that's kind of a red flag first of all and yeah i think you said it perfectly chris like i feel like they want to be the rams and for the past couple years every year we're like you know this can be the cardinals year they got murray they got hopkins they got fitzy this can be the year but like it hasn't happened yet and they even had James Conner last year, who, like, fantasy-wise, was very good with the touchdowns. I love you to death, James. If you ever listen to this, you saved me from doing a very embarrassing thing with my friends from back home because of your touchdowns. Um, and it's just, like, you should raise the players around you. And they kind of just collapsed last year. And I'm not going to call them the GOAT or put them in the top ten until he wins, like, a playoff game. Like, give me at least, like, some success in the playoffs before we start calling this dude, like, top ten or the GOAT. Just right. like he hasn't done that yet. So I wouldn't call it a colossal failure, but I feel like it was a big overpay for what he's accomplished to this point. What would you Here's have the thing. if if James Conner didn't bail you out? Um it was to go to a Sox game with very little amount of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna leave it at that. I was going to have to wear a crop top and short shorts to a Red Sox game. I like that fits you well. I mean, like, I could have thrived, to be honest, but I'm happy it didn't happen because I just, it, I didn't want to go through that because there would have been pictures. I also would have had a curious sign saying I lost my fantasy league and thinks there were some other things attached to it. So it's just thank you, James Conner. Love you. Always. All right. Here's the thing. When I play – Chris and when I play Jamie in our fantasy football league, I'm picking up K1 for that day, for that week, and me and him are going to put a clinic on y'all. You saw what he was doing, took a team 8-0, 9-0, whatever it was last season on very minimal footage. Miggy, what what happened in the second half, though, when you're trying to secure a playoff spot? What happened? He collapsed, yeah. But you know what? Now he's got to watch film. Now he's got to watch film. He's going to be a bad man now. 60 million reasons why he's gonna watch. Why him. did he watch film last year? Just a question. He, I mean, when you start off eight and no, I think you limit what you gotta watch. 
Not, not if you want to be the goat, bro. That's when you go harder. I all right. He's he's about to go off on you guys. Don't worry. Well, this is a football podcast, though. On that note, I think there should be a punishment if Murray does not go off against any of us. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. We can discuss. Oh, Kevin getting those rushing yards. I can't. You're talking. I'm going to come back to this date because you're talking a lot of smack. If he sucks, I'm coming back to July 25th at 9.15. All right. Okay. Just saying. I'm, I'm going to go set the schedule right now on Chris week one, picking K1. Let's go. Yeah, I, I would purposely draft him just so that way you couldn't have him. Um, but <laughs> in closing, uh, that is um, – that's going to do it. We did, We got a little – we got a little uh, frustration off of our chest, which is good. Um, and then we did a little. You feel a little better now. I'm not gonna lie. I feel a little better. I do too. The K1 rant was fun. So yeah. So that was that was. I know we did a little a uh, little random at the end with some football and some basketball to close out the show. As in always, all fairness, I did not participate. Anyway, notice that. As always, please make sure that you head over to Twitter. And follow the Obstructed View Red Sox podcast at Obstruct View. Uh, please make sure that you are going onto Spotify and Apple uh, Podcasts. First thing you want to do is hit that subscribe button. You will get notification every time a brand new podcast drops. Please make sure that you do that. We highly, uh, we highly, we really appreciate when you do that. Um, so our subscriber count has gone up quite a bit. So thank you for everybody who does that. Um, Please make sure that you head over to the Substack at uh, www.beyondthemonster.substack.com. Uh, a lot of content. There is only one person who is still yet to deliver any sort of written content on there, Steve. Um, <coughs> ooh. Um, okay. There's content pretty much almost every single day. Um, and same thing too. Throw your email in there. Subscribe. It is uh, 100% free. So for the gentleman. In closing, Red Sox, going to be interesting. We're going to have another uh, pod coming up this week. And then the one next week following the trade deadline could be a completely, completely different tone. Who knows what it will be. Signing off. <laughs>